Hello, everybody. You are tuned into the Unconventional Yogi Podcast with yours truly, Colette Marie. Real content, real talk. Today's topic is about yoga. And it would be a great thing to talk about because I am a yoga teacher. I've been teaching yoga myself since 2005. In fact, I think I might have instructed roughly about 15,000 classes in the course of that time. Could be more. I kind of lost track over the last few years, but I want to go ahead and and say that I've certainly taught about 15,000 yoga classes, and that's both group and private. So it's a combination of the two, and those uh, that number is really starting from the moment that I, I began my teaching career in June of 2005. That being said, I have learned a lot about yoga along the way. So we are now, what is this month? April, April 1st of 2022. I have been teaching for, I could go ahead and round up and say almost 20 years right? So that's a fair amount of time. I haven't gotten to the 20 year mark yet, but we're getting there. The point is, I've I have dedicated almost every moment of my life to the practice of yoga in that time. Moreover, I have added to the fold a variety of other uh, practices such as Reiki, Thai yoga massage, meditation, what else have I done? Reflexology. And now I'm a personal trainer. So I've added over the years these other elements to round out the experience of yoga on a physical level, but also on a ritualistic level and spiritual level. Additionally, I've engaged in three ayahuasca ceremonies, which have certainly opened the door to a whole new way of thinking in my life that significantly altered my perspective regarding the practice of yoga overall. I've also written a book about it because I thought it would be prudent for me to share this wisdom and insight and information about what I learned in these ceremonies. It was like a download and I was able to extract this amazing amount of information and then translate it into the way that I teach yoga now. So with all of that to be said, my perspective and definition of yoga might be a little different from the general view of what yoga might be. But in the end, I believe we all have the same idea of what yoga really is. We all know that yoga is a union between the mind, body, and spirit. That, that's a basic general definition that we most of us, if not all of us who practice yoga, know that yoga is this, this binding between these three elements of our existence, our physical body, our spiritual body, and our mental body. So those three bodies are joined together through this practice. But, but I'm going to go a step further and say that yoga is by definition who we are our very existence is yoga we have a physical body we have a mental body and we have a spiritual body so 
we don't have to necessarily practice anything. We are yoga. The fact that we are living, breathing air, eating food, walking, talking, doing these vessels in these vessels and having an experience, we are the very essence of what yoga is defined as being. So when I would hear, oh, I'm going to a yoga class, from an instructional perspective, it makes sense. You're going to a physical practice of yoga. You're going to go to a class that focuses on asana, postures, and pranayama breathing techniques. So you're going to an asana class, really, and pranayama class is really what that is. And I like to throw that caveat in because I think it's important that when you can when you consider yoga and think about the nuances of what yoga is, that you make this distinction just just for your own your own mental awareness so that we don't box in this spiritual component into this only physical experience. I think that we wouldn't do ourselves a very good service if we did that. So rather, I'm going to make the distinction for us for right now on the podcast and say, rather, you're not going to a quote-unquote yoga class you're going to an asana pranayama class. But while you're in that class, you might have a spiritual experience or an emotional experience or both. You might be in the middle of a pose, start crying or laughing or feeling away. You're over overwhelmed with some emotion or sensation that is that has emerged as a result of you letting go and sweating or just relaxing and both or both and then you experience some added thing so the physical practice can be a facilitator for the spiritual and the and the emotional and the psychological so you you can still call it of obviously a yoga class but it good thing to also make the distinction that it's an asana pranayama class but you you have this added layer of the possibility of experiencing a psychological emotional and spiritual whatever yoga itself isn't a class in a sense it's it's a it's an awareness it's a understanding it's a connection it's a beingness so yoga is a is a it's it's hard it's like it's so big right yoga itself is oneness with all that is all yoga is oneness with all that is all with all things that are all things with all of existence with all of creation with all of non-existence and non-creation it's something that's very big and it and it's hard to fathom that when you when you sit and think about it but that's what it is it's all things and it's everything and it's nothing because that is the essence of from what i understand the essence of all things it's everything and nothing i mean that's very taoist it's very buddhist because in Buddhism and Taoism, we have those dualities which exist. We don't talk a whole lot about dualities in yoga, but it's there. It's there just the same. Those three practices have that in common. So let's move forward on to 
what what yoga might mean to me what yoga might mean to you and for me it it simply just means that connectivity that connection that I have with myself with my loved ones with my friends with people that I work with or work for people that I meet nature animals the air that I breathe the food that I eat the times in which I sleep the times in which I am making love, like all of that, every facet of my existence is yoga, is that connectivity, is that whole connection with every fiber of my being, every single thought, every single word, every single feeling, every single emotion, that is my practice, every moment of every day. So I don't necessarily need to quote unquote go to a class However, I do enjoy going to a class on occasion when time permits, and I have a great time. I no longer view the class as a class. I view it as a point in which I get to commune with other people who are all there together to experience a, an hour of moving the body. So it's this hour of body movement and breath. And those two things alone can create space in the mind and can create space in the heart. And so that is why I believe people typically go to yoga to experience this relaxation, this connection with other members of their community, to experience a connection with their own body and their own breath. So that's why I go to a practice. And that's why I also teach this ancient practice of yoga, but I also maintain the integrity of the of yoga in the sense that I talk I talk about the mind aspect of yoga that it's a mental largely mental practice it is meditation it is changing one's thought processes it is doing the work to reprogram and recondition oneself to break the barriers between experiencing one's full self while still inhabiting the old programming and old conditioning. So it's breaking the cycles, changing the way we think, creating more of a positive, favorable outcome in life from making good, positive decisions. And I talked about decision-making in a previous set three of podcasts, and that ties into the yoga practice, the mind stuff trying to empty the mind of all of the things that plague it and keep us in a state of anxiety and stress. So all of that to be said, let's talk about how many people actually practice. So according to yogaearth.com, worldwide, approximately 300 million people regularly practice yoga. Approximately 36 million Americans practice yoga regularly. In the past five years alone, yoga practitioners in the United States has increased by over 50%. And according to moderngentleman.net, yoga health statistics show that it can lower systolic blood pressure by 26 points, and yoga has helped 52% of practitioners reduce their PTSD symptoms. 
So that's pretty great. We obviously know that there's a physiological benefit to the practice, to the physical asana pranayama practice of yoga and to the meditation practice of yoga because it's it's threefold in, ess- in essence. Meditation, the physical movement, and breathing practices. That's three things. Meditation usually is thrown at the end so that by the time you've moved around and you were breathing and moving, getting your body and your joints, you know, well oiled, you can sit then very comfortably or comfortably enough to be in a meditation practice for an extended period of time. And that's essentially what yoga asana was created to do, but typically for the, for the West, because Westerners have, have, have shown the yogis that we're, we're very tight and we can't just sit in a posture like lotus pose or cross-legged seated posture and then start meditating. For us, it just wasn't working out. They made a determination that the best thing to do to get Americans and people from the UK to be able to sit comfortably is to move them around and get their joints moving around and get into a better mind state. That's typically how sequencing started to filter in and mainstream yoga practicing. Sequences to move and turn and twist and bend to remove toxins from the body, to remove stiffness from the body, to lubricate the joints, to lubricate the spine, and to invite relaxation through deep breathing in the blood, in the heart, and of course affecting oxygen levels in the mind thereby affecting the central nervous system, creating a sense of calm, virtually moving from your fight or flight mode to rest and digest, sympathetic to parasympathetic nervous system function. So there are benefits, obviously, to movement and breathing. However, please know that with yoga, it's not about the physical movement alone. In fact, yoga doesn't have to require any asana practice at all whatsoever. Yoga can just simply mean to you that you're going to make an active point to change something about the way that you think to render a positive outcome in your life. That's your yoga. Yep. That's your yoga. That's what you can do. You don't have to go to a a class. You don't have to sweat. You don't have to buy any clothes or mat or any props. You don't have to do all that. You can just simply know that you are a living, breathing being and that your very essence and existence is yoga. Just recognize that part. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal if you really think about it, right? Pretty amazing. We are all breathing, speaking, talking, living yogas. We're all yogas. I'm, I'm throwing the S at the end. We're all yogas. Every single one of us. We are the embodiment of mind, body, and spirit. That is yoga. So I'm going to leave it there. Let you marinate on that for a little bit. Kick it around. See if it resonates with you. I hope it does because this is really good information in my opinion. I'm a little biased. I admit that. But... I think that in the totality of this podcast, there was something that you were able to take away from it and apply it to your, your everyday life. Like yoga is a day-to-day thing. It is a conscious action 
of doing things, saying things, thinking things that are going to reflect your best self. That is yoga. So thank you for tuning in to the Unconventional Yogi Podcast with yours truly, Colette Marie. Real content, real talk. 